Welcome to The Wine Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to Lockdown Wine Down. I'm here with... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good, thanks. And how are you going, Nick? Another week? Locked, locked down, another, another week. And um, I may have to, as an essential worker, travel today. So for what are we drinking and where are we? I have a um, non-alcoholic wine. Oh, uh, oh fake wine. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so Actually, yeah, it's got to be a lot better. It, it has. It's not too disgusting. What are, what are you drinking today, Scott? Let's, well, well, let's well, based on in. based on what you had last week, I actually located a bottle of the uh, the Chateau Tinunda, but it's a it's a slightly different variant. I'm sure that's showing through very well. There we go. Um, it's a it's one of the Shiraz. Uh, sorry, the Cab Savs. Um, yep. So this is one of the first vineyards in the Barossa area. Eighteen ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, I had a pub wine last week, didn't I? Yes, you had the, the pub wine version of that, yes. It's, it's, it's a good winery. It's a, another family winery, family-owned winery. I don't think they've commercialised it. I don't think so. Um, but um, they're, uh, yeah, anyway. So, so I've got happening? to talk about today. Today's, today's like the super most exciting wine down ever in the history of super exciting wine downs, apart from all the other ones. Um, and today we're joined um, um, by Radek Tukarczyk, who's going to talk to us all about networks and Starlink and SpaceX and what Elon Musk's been up to and what they're doing and all sorts of things. It'd be exciting. Should yeah. we welcome him to the show? We should. We should. This is very interesting. It is. So I'll see if that works. Hello, Radic. How are you? Hello, Nick. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me Hi. on the show. It's all right. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. We haven't done a guest in this live streaming format before, so it's all very nervous, and, and we're seeing if it works. But it, it seems to be there. So, Radix from Netvault. Why don't we start off? Let's tell us about Netvault, Radix. What, what do you guys do? Definitely. So, uh, Netvault. We are a telecommunications company. We focus on three key areas for businesses. They are internet services, telephony services, and cloud services. And what we do is we work with channel partners all around the country to deliver telecommunication solutions for their clients and give them better value, better service, and more importantly, uh, uh, be able to beat uh, the evil Telstra at their own game. Cool. Evil Telstra on a, on a, on a public web. Oh, wow. I couldn't possibly comment, Radic, but it sounds like a cool mission statement. So, so. <laughs> This is all about Starlink, and 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 uh, let let me see if I get it right. For those people who don't know, you know, SpaceX has been out there quite often, shooting out lots of tiny satellites to build this global network to effectively bring internet to every corner of the globe. Am I am I close on that one? Spot on there, spot on there, Nick. So uh, for those that haven't heard of uh, Starlink before, it's the brainchild, uh, one of the brainchilds of Elon Musk. Uh, there's two big companies, actually there's a few companies that Elon Musk has, uh, is famous for. The two most famous is number one being Tesla and the electric cars they're making. They're really revolutionising the automobile industry and the electric vehicle industry. It's fantastic stuff. Um, I've got a Tesla myself. It's awesome. Um, and the second one is SpaceX. And SpaceX is a really interesting one because uh, the mission statement of SpaceX always gets me. 
you tell me one other company in the world that has a mission statement that reads, and I summarise because I don't know word for word, but uh, it's to make humanitary, uh, to make humanity a multi-planetary species, i.e. they are literally sending rockets up to Mars is, is what they're trying to achieve. They haven't got to Mars just yet, but they're certainly on their way. And I suppose one of the unique things about SpaceX is that they're the first company in the world to be able to perfect the art of reusable rockets mm. where they can send a rocket up into space, deploy its payload, and then land it back down on the ground so they can just give it a quick refurb, refuel, and up it goes again. What yeah, and I've got to say, sorry, sorry, Radek, you just hit on gum. I'm a huge space nerd, right? And so... <laughs> so is is nothing like it and if you certainly if you haven't done this it's something i recommend spacex stream this all live so you can go get at the right time you can see from the final countdown there we go there's a, a heart back to 80s rock anyway from the final final last 10 seconds all the way as they launch into launch into orbit but as they start separating bits of these rockets these things turn around and go and land on barges in the ocean or right back at the landing pads and that's just stuff it's it's honestly it's 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 20 minutes out of your life if you watch one of these you'll go that was the coolest thing i think i've ever seen i, I showed one to my wife the other day she went that's awesome Awesome. A lot of people think that it's CGI. It's like, no, this is Thunderbirds <laughs> type stuff where they're actually landing these rockets back down vertically and no other company in the world has been able to do that. They have now perfected the art of it. And look, it took them several years to be able to do that. They've even created a video that takes the Mickey out of themselves of you know how not to land uh, how not to land an orbital rocket. And it's all these videos of them crashing in the ocean and exploding, this, that, the other. And because it took them a few, quite a few attempts to get it right. But the last 80 or 90 of these launches they've done, bang, smack, smack down in the middle of the crosshairs. Uh, they've landed them each time. And I think they're up to like 10 or 11 times they've reused one of these rocket boosters. Um, yeah, it's, it's what an exciting time to be alive is all I've got to say. <laughs> yeah. It is so. So I'm, I'm going to do more spacey questions, and then we'll get on to the like applicability of this later on, because because there's all sorts of cool spacey stuff. But um, so so they're they're launching into space, and then if you if you watch one of these, you wait about an hour, it settles in orbit, and then it fires off a whole bunch of these tiny satellites. Now, um, if you've ever played Kerbal Space Program, which is a, a super little game, um, there's a thing they talk about called the I think it's the Kessler syndrome, where you've got so many bits of junk orbiting the Earth that if one was to explode, it creates this ripple effect where everything in low Earth orbit explodes into a junk, and then nothing can launch again. But I hear SpaceX are actually taking all of their rocket, apart from maybe the Starlink bits, and actually returning them back to the planet, right? So there's different parts that get re returned to Earth. So the base booster stage, um, as in where most of the cost is and, and most of the action, I suppose, happens to leave the, the atmosphere, that lands back down on Earth. What's called the payload fairing, as in the capsule that, uh, that protects the satellites, that um, drops off um, and uh, lands back in the ocean where they retrieve those. The satellites themselves stay in orbit, but there are a few things that they jettison off that they don't particularly care about. But, yes, that, that problem that you mentioned the um, uh, with so much space junk is a common sort of a, a question that people raise. Aren't we just making that problem worse by launching more and more stuff into space? 
And uh, I suppose there is a, uh, a solution that SpaceX have to these, uh, as far as the Starlink satellites themselves are concerned. When they launch the satellites, um, they launch them at about 100, 150 kilometres above the Earth. Um, they still need to raise to get to their final orbit. So they've got onboard ion thrusters that actually move them to the correct locations and, and put them into the relevant, uh, relevant orbits so that they can cover the relevant areas that they want. I've and got to stop you, I've got to dive in. Did you just say ion thruster? I did indeed. Onboard oh, ion oh, thrusters. Real Star Trekky ion thruster. Yeah. yeah. Sure. This is this is this is if you if you're a SpaceX uh, sorry a Starlink fan or a um, a Stargate SG one Star Wars sort of sort of sort of sort of fan, this stuff is happening now. Um, Elon Musk is actually literally doing what we've dreamed about in science fiction. Um, that's yeah. where a lot of this has come from, though. When, when it's the ideas that have been thought up in these movies and these sci-fi TV series, people have seen that. Hang on, I, I get that that's a TV show and that that's all fake, but I think I could work out how to do that. And maybe it's a few years go by and you get a very early version of it, but it sort of evolves from there. And the, the initial thought becomes reality, and then all of a sudden, hey, it's in everyday life. It's very impressive. Well, 20 years ago is when SpaceX was founded, and it's taken them 15 years to get to where they are now. I mean, no one knew of SpaceX 15 years, uh, 20 years ago. It's only in the last few years that it's actually gaining, going, gaining momentum because they're now actually achieving what they thought they'd be able to achieve, which is bloody amazing, in my opinion. Yeah, so, so that's cool. Enough space geeking, right? We're here to talk about Starlink and, yes. and what kind of Starlink means. Now, now... There's the National Broadband Network. Why would we care about something like Starlink? <laughs> I, well, I could answer that. Scott could answer that, but I'm sure you've got an answer yes. for it too. <laughs> I do. I do. So the the thing about Starlink is um, uh, Starlink is a high-speed, low-latency satellite internet service, right? Now, um when you compare Starlink to the National Broadband Network, NBN, you've got to look at some, some pros and cons of each type of service. So when you talk about the National Broadband Network and fibre optic, uh, NBN uh, fibre, right, that's pretty damn right? Starlink will never compete against an NBN fibre service. You know, nothing beats the speed and reliability performance of, of, of fibre. And that's what not what it's designed to sort of uh, to sort of do. Starlink is really bridging the gap between fiber and five G to really provide internet access to really rural, uh, remote regions of not only Australia but everywhere in the world. So it's those areas that are served by the not so favorable NBN types, like NBN SkyMaster satellite or NBN fixed wireless. Those NBN types are the ones that Starlink just outperforms hands down. But when you talk about other NBN types, yeah, you're probably not going to want to change from an NBN fiber service to a Starlink service, for example. I've seen a, a, a very interesting use case. It's not quite ready yet, but, of course, NBN's only in Australia. So you can only get, obviously, the, the services here. But when you look at Starlink being a, a global offering mm -hmm. and in some respects you, you mentioned it's not going to be any faster than like nbn fiber within the country but i can tell you once you start getting overseas links in place or even if you're looking at internet connectivity say from 
here to various parts of the US or London or whatever, they take they can only travel on certain fibre routes where people have actually put fibre in the oceans to join the countries together and so forth. And sometimes those are not point to point between where you are and where somewhere else is. You've just got to follow wherever those tracks were put. This is exactly that. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now here's a little interesting tidbit. Now listen to this. The speed of light in the vacuum of space is twice as fast as the speed of light in fiber optic glass. You think about that for a minute. The Starlink satellites that are launching this month will have onboard lasers, space lasers, to actually beam signals between satellites at speeds that you know are twice as fast as what you can do in the fiber optic cables that are under the oceans. So Bleeding so edge iron thrusters, space lasers, right? <laughs> Got all of this, but it's about bringing a uh, internet service. Now, I noticed when when it first came out, I went online and and went to Starlink, and it said, um, "Give us your address because we're only sending you these wonderful mobile satellite dishes to a fixed address at, at the moment." Is there going to be, you know, I, I like going camping and doing that kind of stuff. Is this the type of service I can actually take with me and set up somewhere else if I'm out in the bush or something like that to to go and, and, and connect to the net? Is I know it's not there yet, but is that something you're kind of thinking of seeing in the future? Is that something that, that that's being looked at? Definitely. If you're, you might not be able to tell me, so you don't have to. Well, so I can tell you certain things, certain things I can't tell you, but uh, I can tell you things that have been publicly announced and what Elon Elon Musk himself has tweeted. He he loves his Twitter and social media feeds. But anyway, so uh, to answer your question, yes. Right now, no. So right now there are 1,600 satellites rotating above the Earth. Now, um, Nick, is this something that I can show on a screen here for our viewers? Certainly. Let's um, make that magic happen. Here we go. Okay. So what you're looking at here is a, 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 a the Earth, right, a, a globe of the Earth. And what you're looking at here with these circles are the Starlink satellites that are rotating above the Earth right now. Now, these satellites are 550 kilometres roughly above the Earth, and these are moving at 26,000 kilometres per hour, right? Now, if we go and rotate this around a little bit and have a look at what's over Australia right now, that's what we've got over Australia beaming down internet signals down to Australia. And these little markers down here, they're ground stations that receive those signals. So this is why Starlink right now is only available in these lower parts of, uh, of Australia. Once they get more ground stations in the northern parts, and there are some being built in Queensland and, and northern parts of WA, then uh, coverage will extend. But more importantly, mobile coverage will be available once more satellites come uh, 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 are above the earth to increase the density and increase the um, the throughput that they can receive. Each satellite has 20 gigabits per second of, of bandwidth that it can beam down. And look, that might uh, not mean much to people, but uh, it means that for people who want to put it on their caravan and, and go around Australia, you'll be able to do that very soon. A slightly different version of the dish that SpaceX are testing with the United mm. States Air Force at the moment, because they're looking at testing this in their fighter pilots at the moment. Really exciting mm. stuff. 
Wow. So that that line of satellites that's just over New Zealand, those are obviously ones that have newly been launched, right? Because they come out in this line and spread out and off they go. Correct. That's right. So that's what's called a Starlink train. So if you ever look up in the night sky and see these little dots whizzing past the uh, uh, whizzing past overhead, um, yeah, that's a recent launch of Starlink satellites that's low enough to be seen because their ion thrusters haven't moved them to their final orbits, which, as you can see, are about 550 kilometres above the Earth. So. Yeah. Sorry, Scott, I'm going to go. So they're going to cover the whole planet in high-speed, low-latency internet. Correct. And it's once these, once these space lasers become operational and they can start beaming signals um, between satellites, means their dependence on these ground stations will be less. And even places like, you know, Fiji, Vanuatu, all these sort of places that they're going to have really rubbish internet access. If you think the NBN's bad, you should see what these guys have to put up with out there. These guys here, they'll be watching Starlink very closely. Yeah, now, now, so what's the real purpose of the ground stations? Because clearly if I'm beaming data up into the sky and the data is then coming back down from the sky to me, I don't need a ground station. Correct. But you do need a point somewhere to connect to the rest of the internet. And that's what these ground stations do is that they connect um, the satellite terminals to the rest of the global internet. Yeah. But if you've got, you know, user A that's using a Starlink terminal and user B who's also using a Starlink terminal, well, hey, they can just go up and down through the satellites without having to traverse any of these ground stations. So, uh, yeah, it's just, this is all coming very soon. This is really cool. Hmm. Wow, that is super cool. And I, I can imagine this like having a real, you know, people out in the bush who are poorly served by SkyMaster or, you know, NBN Wi-Fi or, you know, fiber to Tony Abbott's house or whatever it was, um, that they are really going to benefit from this type of stuff, as well as you said, Fiji, the Pacific Islands and anyone out of the way, which 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 is wonderful. So, so how would you know, someone get access to this kind of stuff now? Because it's obviously you don't just go to you don't just go to JB Hi-Fi and buy Starlink, right? And you know, especially if you're not not bigger than home, you're a business. How would you actually go about doing that? And what what role do you guys play in that kind of bit of the equation? Yeah. So look, in, in order to get a Starlink service, um, what you want to do right now is to jump over to Starlink.com type your address in there and see if your address is in coverage. I'll tell you now that unless you're in Victoria or um, uh, uh, New South Wales, you won't be in coverage just yet um, because Starlink is still in beta. So if they, SpaceX are very much still testing this out before they do a global launch. Saying that, they've got 500,000 pre-orders for Starlink already in their system um, and about 90,000, I think, active services right now around the world. Yeah. Um, US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, England, certain countries have been given, I suppose, early access um, while they you know, launch more satellites, build more ground stations, improve their software to, uh, to, to really make this uh, ready for prime time. Now, Radic, I believe there's, a, there's an issue in Australia with the capital cities at the moment. There is. There is. So it's something that we call Area 74, right? Now, this is not Area 51 type stuff that we talk about in the United States. We got past that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, space lasers. I wouldn't be surprised if we were doing an alien <laughs> auto by the end no, of the year. No, no, no. So, 
Area 74 is to do with the Australian Communications and Media Authority. Now, this is really going to start geeking out, so I won't go too deep in this. But essentially, Starlink's licence right now only allows them to cover low and remote density areas, i.e. the areas that are in purple on my screen right now. Um, so if you want to just quickly show that, Nick, here, these are the areas that Starlink have a license to be able to, to, to service. And then if we zoom into over in Sydney, you'll see that that is not in coverage. Okay, and that's purely because of a dollar amount. Right? As soon as SpaceX and ACMA come to the table on, you know, how much to, you know, how many millions of dollars it's going to cost them to service those areas, they can. But keeping in mind that Starlink satellite-based internet services do not work well in like a, a CBD or a city area. You need yeah. a 100 degree field view of the sky to begin with, and there's only a certain number of units that you can have per. Um, uh, per square kilometre. And there is a great um, tool that uh, that we look at that shows the ground stations that are active at the moment. And the reason I like this tool is that it um, tells us which, which ground stations uh, point to um, which satellites. And you can see the coverage areas and things like that. So there are lots of tools out there to be able to look at stuff like this. It just depends on how much, how interested people are, I suppose. I saw that purple area stretch down south into Antarctica. Is there much going on down there? <laughs> right now, no, because there's no uh, there's no ground stations down there. But as soon as they get their ah. space lasers working, yeah, they'll be able to cover Antarctica like that. So oh, there yeah. you go. But yes, yeah, so that's that that's Area Seventy Four. Uh, um, if, you, if you ever hear that in Starlink terminology. That's, that's that's super cool. Those those tools are awesome as well. I love. It makes me feel like I'm back at Mission Control and, and yeah, you know, solving the Apollo thirteen problem. But um, oh well, moving on, moving on. <laughs> so, um, talking about you know access to the internet and and one of the main things is to, for people to learn things. It's all about education. And I understand you guys are running a special promo at the moment. Do you want to maybe we chat about that because I think it's it's probably a good time that people hear about that. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that we're working on at the moment is a project called Project Halo. Um, and uh, Nick, if you want to share my screen again, I'll, I'll, I'll show what's, what Project Halo is all about. And this is a $100,000 internet package grant that's been put together by us, NetVault, SpaceX and Cisco, where we are, uh, for the lack of a better term, launching Starlink services in Australia by giving away $100,000 worth of this technology to a regional school somewhere in Australia. So uh, the grant uh, covers the school and 30 students or teachers in their homes for internet access for 12 months. And uh, this is really designed to give people that are suffering with poor internet access and you know, might be served by MBN SkyMaster or poor MBN fixed wireless style services where they can't do things like online learning e-health, you know, um, uh, remote uh, remote working from home, things like that. Um, and with the pandemic and, and all the COVID-19 lockdowns and schools being forced to remote learning, this is you know, really going to uh, emphasise that, uh, that, uh, uh, that particular use case. So applications for that do close the 15th of August. 
So if anyone is interested um, in uh, in a free hundred thousand dollars for uh, worth of services for their school, see the link um, that I'm sure Nick's going to uh, going to share with someone at the moment for for Project Halo. There we go, and I pop the link on the screen so everybody can see that as well. Look, we have all the technologies here. Um, now we do have a video on that, but I think I'm going to struggle to play it because my um my bandwidth is acting up. So um I'll I'll be first in line. And it was funny uh, while you were talking, I went and tried to sign up, and it, as 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 you said, being in the middle of Sydney, they went, oh, "It's coming, but not quite yet." I'm more worried that your one gig NBN service is acting up. <laughs> Well, I, I have I have seven people in the house trying to live stream Love Island, so that on, on in four K, so that that tends to eat it up. Oh, only about one hundred and forty meg each. Oh, okay, well, that's, that sounds a bit rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm running off my backup slow machine because my my decent service book died overnight last night. Of course, yeah. before I'm an important call like this, so it's probably going too time. fast on that one gig link. Um, Hey, there's an interesting thing about um, about Starlink, and, and to me, it's the, the technology and the whole solution is great. Um, but from what I understand, this is actually a byproduct of a larger need. Correct. And what I've seen is that um, when um, you're launching all these rockets up into space and trying to get this bigger picture of hey, putting people on other planets and so forth, so you've got to build all the infrastructure and design all the you know self-landing rockets, all this sort of thing. But in doing that. You're putting up so many launches, these all cost money. So what do you do? You actually have to be able to sell capacity in to people about, hey, we can put your things in space, we can take your science experiments up, we can do all these other things. That's great, but there wasn't enough of them. That's exactly because right. Because of that, you need, yeah, you need something that's actually going to help fund the bigger picture. And that's where this idea came from. And now this idea has taken off in such a, a wild way, it's funding the satellite it's, it's actually funding the rockets going up and down by taking all the satellites there and achieving other goals at the same point but here's a spin-off business that is just taken off and doing wonderful things i'm pretty impressed with that well that's exactly right i mean the uh, like uh, who knows what was going through elon musk's head at the time <laughs> but uh, obviously if you want to colonize mars you're going to need com uh, communications services in mars how best to do that? Well, you put satellites rotating about uh, around Mars. And then I'm, I'm guessing that sort of translated to doing that here in Australia because um, in, in on Earth, sorry, not just Australia. Um, but in order to, to fund, you know, getting to Mars, we're talking billions of dollars in funding needed for it. And um, it's no secret that the the reason that SpaceX have created Starlink was to create recurring revenue and obviously solve some connectivity problems, but create recurring revenue to fund their, their mission of getting to Mars. So this will be uh, hopefully a good revenue earner for SpaceX to be able to put that straight back through um, and, and launch these uh, these um, uh, rockets up to Mars. And um, you know, for anyone that's following SpaceX, you know the the Starship um, rocket and the the booster BN three, I think they're up to. Um, you know, they're testing that in the next week or two, and it's going to be the first time they're going to launch this Starship. It's actually called Starship, the largest rocket ever constructed in history, um, and they're going to be testing that very uh, very soon. So. Um, there was one. Um, there was one disappointing thing to, to me, at least, out of all of this, and that um, I heard the uh, the US government is looking at how to tax spaceflight, and there's a bill coming through at the moment that talks about this. And I thought, oh, really? Yeah. 
Well, mm. I mean, it's like the NBN tax that's going to be coming soon here for, for us in Australia. And, uh, uh, I mean, if governments get involved, it's, uh, they try and tax you wherever you, they can, I suppose. The, th the thing that's really interesting is, is of, this, of the Starlink services that we're deploying at the moment, um, the, the results that we're seeing are really promising from a, from a speed perspective. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, space services, you know, uh, space internet services, they're, they're, they're horribly slow. This is rubbish. How on earth can this actually work? Um, and, Nick, if you can share my screen again. Sure. Um, I suppose the, the reason that this is able to work is that traditional satellite services are using high-altitude geostationary orbits. So these satellites are 36,000 kilometres above the Earth, rotating at the same speed as what the Earth does. These Starlink satellites, they're these closer ones in low Earth orbits. So that's how they're able to do this um, much faster with the, such low latency, as in such low ping. And if I even show you guys a... Uh, here we go here. These are some Starlink services that we've deployed in Victoria. And if we have a look at the speeds on these, we've got a 38 millisecond ping average on that service. 219 megabits per second is the average download speed that this unit gets. Look at that. It even received a maximum of 412 mm. megabits per second. And you know, we wow. test these every 15 minutes and you can see, look, there's the last one there, 250. 140, so it does vary a little bit, 192, 200. But you can see the speeds that these get is phenomenally better than your traditional NBN SkyMuster or geostationary satellite services. So this is the use case for regional and rural Australia. Those people at home, businesses, mining companies will, will be you know, lapping this, this service up. Those latency... Sorry, Scott, oh, you go. I was going to say that those latency numbers are actually not that offensive. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not like four to five milliseconds Sydney to Melbourne sort of on fiber return time, but you know, thirty to forty milliseconds is actually very usable. It's to the point where you can have you know, good video conferencing, good um, media solutions across that. Um, you know, round trip time to Perth is sixty milliseconds across fiber. So if we're talking about bouncing off a couple of satellites uh, in the low Earth orbit at about 35 to 40 milliseconds, that's that's very usable. Exactly. But, but I, I think the, the space lasers are going to change it as well. So what, if you talk about, yeah, I'm going to say that one more time, space lasers. Do they have space sharks? <laughs> Because oh, space sharks with lasers would just be the coolest thing ever. But anyway, moving on. But if, as you say, you know, light's traveling double the speed, well, it's back up to the speed of light because it's going through a vacuum, um, then long distance trips using this technology is going to be have less latency. So, for example, using a terminal server in London is going to become mm. usable, whereas right now on, you know, three to 400 milliseconds round trip latency, it's, it's not usable at all. If you think about those that, that latency time, let's look at London for a minute. Yes, it is about 300 milliseconds latency because of the route through the world that the fiber takes. I've seen companies that have actually gone and run entire, like another 10 to 20,000 kilometer fiber runs just to shave five to 10 milliseconds off a response time for a global transit. And they're selling it to banks and various people that need that really low latency international uh, response times because that, that really is real money to them. This is a whole new ballgame. It's very interesting. Yeah, correct. So this is why it's such an exciting area to follow. And I, I love being involved with uh, with what we're doing with SpaceX and Project Halo and and everything that's, that, that's happening from a SpaceX perspective because this is really the next evolution for humanity is to 
as as I said earlier, make humanity a multi-planetary species. Ooh, how cool. I reckon that's a brilliant place to, to end, end the live stream. Radek, thank you so much. That was absolutely fascinating. I, I don't care about anybody else. I had a ball with that one. That's that's right in my sweet spot. <laughs> Like, um, but th but that was brilliant. Now, for everybody who's um, watched the live stream, you know, or is watching online, or is watching on Facebook or YouTube, or even listening um, to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, thank you so much for listening. If please like, subscribe. Um, the algorithms like you liking. Subscribing's good for us, and leave a comment if you'd like us to chat about something. And while we're here, before we go, Project Halo is available with grants closing very soon on the fifteenth of. August. And if you want to go and sign up a school, the link is um, https colon whack whack www.netvault.net.au forward slash project halo, H A L O. Um, so I guess that's us. Uh, that's it from us. Radic, thank you so much. Scott? Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thanks Radic. Thank cool. Thanks, Thank you, everyone. And I hope you all have a fantastic day. See you now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.